What did we learn? The common belief is you shouldn't care what other people think about you, right? Wrong. What your opponent is thinking is key in war, in business, in a fight. Don't let your opponent think whatever they want. Make them think what you want them to think. If they think you're weak, that's when you can surprise them with your strength. Good job. Good job indeed. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I represent Cobra Kai because even if someone hypothetically alludes vaguely to me having any type of weakness, I will immediately freak out. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I represent Miyagi-Do because life is like a video game, and I'm going to give you some cheat codes <laughs> along the way. Welcome to No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback. This week, we're talking about Season 4 of Cobra Kai, Episode 7, Minefields, uh, directed by Twain uh, McKiernan. Uh, McKiernan and uh, written by Bill Posley. I think we, as usual, clicked into these characters to find out what what's their deal. Um, I think... Uh, McKiernan has basically been in the TV directing game for a long ass time uh, and uh, sorry I just called her old there but you get the <laughs> gist of it like jumping in on various shows an episode here an episode there a seasoned of, vet uh, if you will seasoned vet that's it and Bill po- Posley uh, has basically I don't know did you have a look at what he'd been working I on I looks like he's before? kind of like an actor has a lot of shorts some s- small spots in TV uh, episodes and then has been a staff writer on a couple shows uh, and a story editor on Cobra Kai. So uh, not quite the the seasoned vet, but the nice up and coming. And, and as we've mentioned in the past, Cobra Kai seems like a, a good platform for young writers to, you know, get their hands dirty. Very much so. And yes, we're here seven episodes in. We're we're heading into the minefield. I feel like looking back, the top half of this season, as I was rewatching it, I was like, "This is fucking great. I love this shit. This is what I want. Remember wanting a bit more of uh, when it comes to, especially obviously, uh, Johnny and Daniel working together and stuff like that. And now we're coming into more, starting to build up towards the uh, climax of the season. Uh, well, and and sort of. R- investigating some of these storylines that have been on the back burner earlier on. Uh, Do you have anything that sticks out about this episode as we start out, or should we just launch into our review of the events? Well, real quick before we get into it, I do want to read an email we got. You can email us Uh, at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. This email is from Misty, who emailed us in the past. So thanks so much for answering my mail on your podcast. Uh, I'd like to mention a few things I've noticed the Johnny and Crease parallel. Johnny said to Daniel during the Eagle Fang training that you are less of a man for eating veggie burgers. Now, Crease did remind Silver that not long ago he was having tofu, a vegan, br- vegan brunch, which sort of implied he's less of a man because of it. So there you go. They're both. I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say that to the Cobra Kai's Johnny Lawrence's of the world, if you're a vegan, you are a pussy. <laughs> So, I mean, that's my part I added in. They were just pointing out the parallel. Uh, and then the thing I did not notice, and I should have, or we should have, is that, and this leads into this episode here, uh, you know, the the girl Leah that uh, Kenny and Anthony are kind of like warring over that she's completely oblivious to, apparently, like does not realize they don't like each other. Uh, but yes, yeah. the anagram of Leah is Allie, if you spell it L-I-A. Is this blowing That's your mind right now? Uh, I mean, kind of. I, I hadn't thought about it that <laughs> no, much. No, I agree. But, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Hashtag theory confirmed. I agree. <laughs> I like it. traveling and uh, is in a different body and it's Ali. That's the only reasonable conclusion, right? It is a nice detail. Uh, thank you for pointing that out because I did not pick it up. Um, and she does request us to discuss some of these Karate Kid deleted scenes, which I will say we will do. Once we finish up discussing season four. So, yes, I think we should go over some of those. Uh, We'll do that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for emailing. You can email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. But, yes, uh, speaking of Leah, this episode does open with um, we have, uh, what, Lapusso, right? I know we (laughs) – I love calling him Lapusso, by the way. Uh (laughs) I'll never not call him Lapusso. Sure. 
yeah, we have him. Uh, he's basically just trying to uh, trying to I don't know chat up his this girl, make some moves, or at least uh, yeah, he, he's saying the Beowulf. It's not even about a werewolf. It's a great point. And Animal Farm. <laughs> and I love well, his comment of like, hey, you just get what's on the tin. Straightforward, no allegories or nonsense there. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and I mean, I was gonna save this. Well, we'll probably have to circle back on this because. Yeah, they mentioned two books at the beginning, and then we see Le- Le- Leviathan later on. Like they they hang on it for a second. Uh, okay. That Terry Silver's reading. So now I don't know if Mister Bill Posley is trying to flex his writing muscles here with these different stories he's shouting out. Because I probably spent more time than I should have, like refreshing my memory. Beowulf, I have read. I mean, what? It's just like a dumb poem. Of course, I read it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And vegetarians, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> uh, and Animal Farm, I actually, I mean, it's been decades since I read Animal Farm, but, it, you know, everyone loves to reference it. And uh, Leviathan, I've never read. But Leviathan is about, like, you know, uh, social contracts and societal structures and how, like, the theory is that there should be a unified government of power to make sure that there's no breaks in society and we need to look mm. to like a sovereign power. So I don't know what, what Terry's reading into that. Although there is a, I guess a big part of it is about you can't really rule with um, like trust or love. You can only rule with fear <laughs> is a big part of it. And I mean, animal farm is a lot about the quest for power and what that does for you and Beowulf of course was the ultimate badass because he killed Grendel he killed Grendel's mother and he killed the dragon uh, so there's definitely some power symbolism going on in these books Jacob did you do any research into these references I mean the animal farm one straight up it's just animals on a farm so I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about there yeah. um, but but that's really interesting actually I I, I feel like we're uh, flexing our muscles here i feel like yeah. wow did this podcast just become really good <laughs> did we just do some research here uh that's really interesting i mean it definitely makes sense for terry silver right if yeah. what you're uh, summarizing there is is the gist of it sounds like that's you know that's very in line with cobra kai and could could also be him there at the end as uh and as you said we'll get into it but as uh as crease is like pressuring him or like putting putting the moves on him to get in line he's like all right leviathan has just taught me that i should accept this sovereign power yeah and then we'll see how long that lasts but maybe that's part of it i mean they're basically fascists in yeah. cobra kai so <laughs> yeah. uh yeah increases the main leader and you got to fall in line and so i guess he's gonna do that now maybe we'll see in the future and and then so i mean this scene cuts to you know we have the library moment but then of course it's like uh that's anthony's moment is undercut because she says hi to kenny and then his his wormy friends we're always around, make things worse. The wormy friends, like, I feel like we've said before, but, like, I love how the people are, who are bullies are just, like, the wormy, weasley, yes. like, me. Like, they're not, they they only gain social capital by, I guess, making fun of other people, which is fine. Not in a, like, I'm the jock, so I'm pushing you around. More like, you can tell this other kid is the one who should be being bullied here out of the two of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he's sure. kind of flipping it before it happens. Yeah, the mop head kid, he's so annoying, he's yeah. so punchable. Yes. Um, and then it leads to, you know, in the locker room, they're still kind of ribbon Anthony Lapusso here about uh, about Kenny. But if I could go back to shows which you know here and what we do best and criticize the scene a bit, because it ends with, you know, he steals Kenny's clothes and runs out of the yeah. locker room with it. And Kenny chases him, forgetting he's in his underwear. So everyone laughs at him. But if you look at the wide shot, He's st- like the door is open to the hallway, and someone could have like just walked. Completely visible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's completely. If someone was standing there in the hall, you'd look and you'd be like, oh, there's naked kids in there uh, in the locker room. So sorry, Cobra Kai. Love your book shout outs. What's going on with the geography of this locker room? Yeah. <laughs> An excellent question. And I think, um, I think. 
also this is not an important point but like he's already shielding his nudity as he's running out oh, yeah. i guess he's his plan is he's gonna catch him because what uh robbie's taught him is to use his speed and he's trying to do that but also he just had two of the most enormous towels i've ever seen in my entire life as he was coming out of the shower like this towel is it like you wouldn't even see kenny if he draped it over himself he would be invisible and he has two of them so he easily could have covered up with that and got outside or something but you know what it was the heat of the moment he yes. acted on instinct and ran straight out so so i get it the real criminal is the one who left the door open very um, true which probably I mean, was open the whole time so but it was yeah, also open probably. the whole time i think yeah, Maybe that exactly. that mop haired kid did it. Could be. Could be. Yeah, so Kenny, that stuff's still going on. Yeah. And may come to a head. We'll we'll see. But for now, the second biggest uh well, the second big th- thread in the episode where we're checking back in with Miguel and what's what's going on in that whole cluster. And he finally basically well, Johnny's like, I'm finally ready to tell Miguel. So of course this is when he finds out anyway yeah. that, you know, your mom and I are hooking up. Uh, not just hooking up, you know, we're <laughs> that whole that yes, whole thing that where they're the incredibly awkward about it and he's kind of fine with it. Um which I don't like Miguel's just such a grown up, like so much more of a grown up than most characters, be they adults or children in this show. So I didn't really expect anything different. Um, yeah, but yeah. What, what's your what's your take on on his reaction and, and the conversation that ensues? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's very in line with Miguel's character because again, he's always like raising Johnny. Um, although, I mean, we do find out later that there definitely is some awkwardness, which is also still. That doesn't mean he's immature or not able to accept it, but it's it's more that Johnny's the one making it weird uh, because he's got all his other hangups going on, which it still does make sense because, like, he mentions a few times as it comes up, like, oh, you know, he, dealing with his own mom and her boyfriends, and especially when it came to discipline. So Johnny, you know, he already has this existing relationship with Miguel. He doesn't want to mess that up or change it. But then he can't help trying to be like cool friend, uh, mom's boyfriend. That's your friend. And I, I know Jacob, your parents were are still together and they're old or whatever. So you didn't have yeah, to deal lame, with this, layman old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you didn't have to deal with this. But I, I have a little experience in mo- in in dealing with like a mom's boyfriend, and mm-hmm. I think they are accurately showing how that is because sometimes it's like some guy who's hanging out. And you're like, all right. And then he's, but then he also is like, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but he's trying to make an effort to be like, hey, man, like, hey, Mustangs, am I right? Mustang cars, bro? It's like, nah, man, that ain't Uh me, dude. (laughs) Yeah, you're like Arya Stark, like, no, no, that ain't me. That isn't me. That will never be me. I I mean, all, all of a sudden you're hanging out in your room just trying to play, like, probably Zelda 64. And this dude's trying to talk to you about Stone Temple Pilots' new album. And you're like, get out of here. <laughs> I love the specificity of this. Yeah. I feel like that's... Yeah. I mean, this is... I think you're right, though, like that... Um, or I guess we both said it, so I'm right as well. But like, it's completely Johnny and his issues messing with this because Miguel's just kind of like, hey, I like both of you. And yeah, it's a little weird. But if none of us make it weird, huh? Huh? it yeah. won't be weird, right? And then, of course, Johnny's like, right, ha ha, do you ever hear, do you hear about this new album and Mustang Cars? Yeah. And he's the one making it weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but we'll, we'll but, get more into that there. Well, we I guess let's stay with it for a second, because then they go to okay. training. And mm. so, I guess, because I kind of buy both excuses. I mean, or maybe it's both things are which pushing Johnny in the way, because... Johnny, he, I mean, he tells Miguel, like, he's not, you know, risking him getting hurt because, I mean, clearly Miguel is, like, the only thing they have right now for the Eagle Fang team. So I guess I, I do. I don't know. They have a new female champion, though. Th- this is true. <laughs> I guess, so I kind of believe that he would be a little bit more hesitant to, tr- to train him. But then what do you think? What is the percentage of, like, that being the truth? Or is he, or is it because he's in this situation now trying to suck up to Miguel because he just dropped this bombshell on him that he's dating his mom. 
Um, yeah, it's. I think it's both, right? And it's yeah. uh, it's bad timing, and it's also like even even Kreese does a better job of utilizing Robbie or whatever, like having Robbie or Tori or or whoever like run the training, uh, etc. Like, because then it's like, oh, Miguel is more experienced. Like he's the champ. Like have him have him tell us what to do, or have him like participate in some way rather yeah. than just having him sit out on this hard ass training. Maybe he needs different, more specialized training, which I guess is what ends up happening in the end, uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's he, he kind of fucks it there by just uh, sidelining Miguel, which is the opposite of what he wants. Yeah, yeah. But then when we go back up a bit here, we have um, Daniel finding the Cobra Kai hoodie, and that's like. Oh my god, my son has a Cobra Kai hoodie. What the fuck? I mean, it's it is very funny when he's like, "I'm just holding it for a friend or whatever." Like, it's very much a drugs allegory where Daniel's like, "I don't want you getting mixed up in this stuff." Yeah, and it's like the stuff is not just karate; it's like the wrong kind of karate. It's so specific how this karate war has shaped these this whole family. Um, and yes, but then does this is this also where it kind of comes out where he tries to put the blame on um kenny as he being says the a kid has been messing with him yes, etc okay. and you know daniel's like okay it's finally time for you to learn karate and i'm like i feel like you've tried to do this a dozen times probably yes um but essentially yeah he's he's gonna come to the dojo and if we stick with that for a second once they arrive at the dojo i have to say right there's uh they now have all these skills things because we did the the tournament's going to have the skills competition. And I'm like, I know they've been doing some of these things, but I feel like the tournament's not that far away to start learning a very specialized <laughs> yeah. skill with weapons or whatever. Because, you know, Lapuso is like, what, we get to fight with weapons? Pretty cool. Yeah. And then Daniel's like, nah, man, life's like a video game. I'm going to give you some cheat codes. Here, go clean the cars. Oh, man. Guess I... what? It's the same thing I've done every time. <laughs> I really hated his video game analogies he was doing. It yes. really was like, I mean, I guess it's, I feel like it's also kind of on purpose, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I definitely think so. But I, I almost would have appreciated if his kid, you know, rightly would have said like, that's pretty cringe, Dad, but yes. okay. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Well, I guess we kind of point out when he did the Game of Thrones thing to Dimitri, that was a little cringe, but it didn't feel as cringe as this. Because I guess, I don't know, it felt more natural. This, he's just like, think of it like you're level one, but next thing you know, you're level 12, and you're like, this is great. It's, oh, man, come on. Relax, guy. Relax, Lapuzzo Lep Senior. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess I guess uh, his son just isn't into it at all. Like he's he's still on his phone, and he was never gonna clean the cars yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense that he's just kind of like smiling and nodding, like okay, dad, because he's still just trying to play off and make sure that it doesn't come out that he's the bully. I guess uh, at this point. Well, um, and also it starts to get into a little of like. I mean, in the past, when, you know, we saw Wax On, Wax Off, it's like, oh, this is great. But now it's almost like, okay, I don't think every time... You know, I, I know Mr. Miyagi's story was that he stepped away from karate because of, you know, his history and how he had to leave Okinawa and stuff like that. But I don't think every time he ever did train someone or trained, it was always fucking wax on, wax off. You know what I mean? I think it <laughs> yeah. just so happened to be at this particular time with Daniel LaRusso that worked. But it do it doesn't always have to be. I mean, I'm nitpicking now, but I, I but it's like all right, wax. Figure out a new thing now, uh, Daniel. Okay, it doesn't always have to be waxing the cars. You know he never covers those cars because he always wants <laughs> yeah. them covered in shit so one yeah. of his pupils can, can get this training. And that's fine, but it's very much like, hey, when I was young, I had this really cool moment where I did this three different things and then I ended up like... My, my I didn't realize I was training, but then my master was like training mm. me. But but like you guys can also experience that now. And everyone's just like, yeah, but we get it because you've already told that story so many times. Yes. Like maybe we could actually. And I, as you said, like this wasn't like me. It's Miyagi Do, but it, this wasn't a dojo. Mr. Miyagi wasn't teaching people karate. So he was using everyday things to train people, to train Daniel in how to do karate. So it's not like 
that was like his technique that he, you know, necessarily would have used at scale. It was more like karate is everything. So yeah, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can teach you this with everyday things. And if you, it's all about rhythm and patience and these things that you don't have, um, which to be fair, Danielson doesn't have any patience at all. So maybe this would be a good lesson, except he also has no dedication. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Uh, so then cu- cutting back a bit, we have, um, we have the Cobra Kai's and they have cool new champion gear. Finally. I mean, they've, they've been dealing with merch forever, but now they have cool upgraded merch, which is cool to see. Uh, and then we get into, we have a little back and forth with uh, Kenny and Robbie. They're kind of discussing the situation he's dealing with. Uh, And, you know, he's training, getting stronger, more conf. Kenny's training, getting stronger, more confident. Uh, But Robbie's trying to say, like, hey, you got to be smarter than me and my brother because, you know, we both, like, we ended up in juvie and I'm homeless, essentially. (laughs) So maybe we're not role models right now. (laughs) What am I doing? Uh, And then that leads into the lesson here, which the lesson is on how everyone has a weakness. Now, on one hand, I understand that Kreese is the type of guy to be like, what do you mean? But also, like, he comes off kind of stupid here, in my opinion, uh, where he's like, well, I guess Tori's the one that, opens up this wedge once again a, a woman in the miyagi verse <laughs> pits two men against each other uh because you know terry is making a very basic lesson in my opinion of <laughs> yes. just when you have an opponent what's the first thing you should do i mean like a video game you look for their weakness <laughs> uh so and then he's like you know everyone has a weakness then tori's like not sensei crease and you know crease loves that but then, and then just an offhand comment, like, yeah, of course, yeah, I've, even Sensei Kreese. And then Kreese is like, like, we have a quick shot of him and the music gets low. And like, it's just weird because on one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, I feel like this makes him look dumb to me. But that that was my read on it. What, what's your take here? Yeah, it's kind of showing that I don't. Yeah, Kreese is kind of really back and forth a little bit in in this season where we've talked about it before. Where Terry Silver, he's like, yeah, I need Terry Silver to come and and help out and like be my you know second in command. And then whenever Terry does anything, Kreese is like, that's not what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's yeah. not exactly how I think. And he seems really like it's just shows a really weak character, which I guess is the intention on Kreese's part when he's like, I can't take the slightest bit of saying that everyone has a weakness, everyone in the world, including me. Then he's like, I don't, I think I need to push you down now because I'm a bully. It's fine, but I also feel like it's not, I don't feel like this is the same crease as in the Karate Kid Part 3 when he's fucking depressed and out and Terry Silver shows up and like builds him back up. Like he's been you know, uh, a homeless war veteran for many, many years. And I I guess maybe that's part of why he wouldn't want to say, accept anything like that, because karate is his whole life, etc. But just like being able to look at your life and go like, in the past, I've ended up in shitty situations because of the way I am. Like, it feels like he should be able to say that and then say, and now I do Cobra Kai and I am a better person. Uh, And like, this is fucking badass and I'm now fucking great. But I guess he takes it to the extreme of like, I can't take the slightest hint at criticism because it's not like Terry even says, yeah, he has a weakness. Yeah. It's specifically this, which would be kind of a dick move maybe. But uh, as you said, it's like that just brings out the competitiveness because he can't deal with someone else being a sensei in his dojo, even though that's why he brought Terry in. Yeah, because it's weird because it's like, I don't think he, it, I don't like think this is a terrible choice. Like this is not how Kreese would react because I think, yeah, we're explaining it and it does make sense. It just feels like, the way it comes about is a little too like on the nose and it and, and it doesn't it just feels more like something a dumb person would do. Uh, but then again, I don't know. I guess they're just using shorthand. We don't have all this time to like really kind of play it out or they don't also want to make it seem like Terry is purposely doing this, uh, even though like that's kind of what I was thinking for a bit. And it is good because it is showing that Crease's inability to accept that he has a weakness is a weakness. So, like, he is showing that he's weak, but he thinks he's, I don't know, he thinks he's challenging the idea. 
So either way, it's just a nitpick. It just feels like, yeah, even different than say season three crease. Like would I don't season three crease who goes to the police and gets a restraining order on a woman is like worried that someone alludes that he might have a weakness just like every single living person. I don't know. It just it's just a little it's a little shortcut. It's a little too much of a shortcut to get this moment to happen, I feel. Yeah, I get that. And obviously this leads to them going, Oh, we're gonna have a competition yeah. about picking students basically to fight each other. And Terry makes the interesting and correct choice to pick uh to pick Kenny to fight Robbie because that's a great lesson for everyone as well. It's extremely Cobra Kai. He's doing he's he's approached his lesson here is a lot more Cobra Kai than anything Kreese is saying, because it's like, yeah, this small scrawny guy, because Robbie's not gonna want to attack him or like want to hurt him, he is he is Robbie's weakness. He's going to be able to defeat him. I'm going to pick him. You gotta fucking outthink your opponents, not just throw bigger punches, hit first or whatever. Like, uh, Robbie's hesitating. That's not Cobra Kai, so he's yeah. going to lose. Like, loads of great lessons in there. For sure. And this is why Crease uh, Crease loses in his pick, I guess. Because uh, Kenny also says, much like Tori earlier on, like, Robbie doesn't have a weakness. Um, just like Tori says that Sensei Crease doesn't have a weakness. But this is showing us everybody does. Yeah, and to kind of hang on that a little bit, I know we're kind of jumping around. Um... I thought they were doing this. I'm glad they didn't. But I, I, was, I thought what they were setting up here is because, yeah, they have this moment, and, yeah, he, he reads Robbie's weakness as Kenny and kind of points it out and uh, hits the lesson home. And then later on, when Kreese brings up Vietnam and we have, like, a flashback again to, you know, from uh, what we saw before where they're in the cage, I thought they were going to then sh- reveal that Terry was also pretending to be weak to like kind of manipulate Crease into taking his spot. Like, cause you know, Crease is like, I'll go. I'm thinking, I'm glad they didn't. I'm not saying this is better or anything like that. But for what, like in my head, when I first watched, it's like, oh my God, are we gonna now see that? Cause then, Ter- like, as Crease like takes his spot and then we cut to Terry Silver and he kind of like grins to himself, like, haha, yes, you, I've, I've done it yet again. <laughs> you're, you're, like Cobra, the uh, the Karate Kid Part Three has you so fucked up that you're preemptively <laughs> trying to anything that Terry Silver is involved in, and this is yeah. all going all, all the way back to your quick take is like, well, obviously this is all part of Terry Silver's master plan. Every yes. single thing that's happening, which is distracting you from the present because you're thinking about how it's going to be a twist in the future. Completely understandable because Terry Silver is a psychopath in the third film who builds this whole fucking complicated plot. Obviously, but uh, yeah, I am also glad that that did not happen but it's yes. very very funny that that was the read of what it could have been because it i feel like it could have been in this show yeah. it could have been and it wasn't so well i mean yeah part of what what, what you're saying is absolutely true because i keep thinking like oh where's the shoe gonna drop here terry but also it just be i mean i forgot for a second that netflix loves to just flash back to stuff that we already know um because I was like, uh-oh, like this feels like an unnecessary flashback, unless, and then they're going to show us some other angle here. But no, it was just Netflix just reminding people. Like, yeah, remember, this yeah. was the scene that happened. Yeah, they did do that, but when they were on YouTube too, though, right? I mean, to be fair, but it is a very Netflix thing to do. Yes, yeah. Um, where, so we talked about uh, already Miguel being left out of training, there's also the female champion who shows up. I, I remember you describing her as quite annoying. I think this sequence of scenes just kind of sets her up as an unlikable kind of character. Though yeah. I do like uh, the first interaction when she's like, my pronouns are she, her. And we get some fun interaction with Johnny when he's like, the only pronouns that exist in this dojo are sensei and student. And she's like, those are nouns. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then he hits um, her with the quiet. But yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I think that back and forth is good but then i think they make they think they're making her endearing because she knows all the movies that johnny knows but she's uh like a big nerd she's kind of an annoying character but but also they i mean there's not enough time i get it like they have to do some stuff just to the you know there's some shorthand here to get her in the mix make it show why johnny likes her make it show why she could be strong as well even though she just joined um then she has to also kick everyone in the balls 
<laughs> so I think that's yeah. sort of the clincher on <laughs> yeah. why it's like why why she might become unlikable. Though it's you know kind of funny, but yeah. it's also like Johnny's just like very dumb here like comically dumb he's made dumb for the purpose of it because going they are wearing cups right like yeah because it's a co- cobra kai slash eagle fang thing to do but then also it's kind of half-assed because he's like oh wait what did i do that um and she gets to go like oh i, I pride myself on never making the same mistake twice yeah yeah and it's yeah it, they don't have time to make her three-dimensional which is fine you know, and it you does explore these characters it does work go. because it has to be a thing where everyone else has to be like oh okay golden boy miguel you know what i mean like if it was just a normal sparring session people wouldn't be too upset that miguel sat it out but it has to be something where everyone's left like what the like we all had to do this but you didn't like okay teacher's pet get the fuck out of here exactly um so uh Leposo has hired a task rabbit which is one of these apps you have in america and someone has come and uh cleaned the cars because yeah he, because he doesn't want to do it yeah. and daniel kind of yells at him a bit uh i i did like his uh i did like uh Lepuso's answer to the question of like what do you think mr miyagi would say or some nonsense and, and yeah. he's like i don't care yeah <laughs> because he you know the karate kid the film he hasn't seen that no. he can't watch that we yeah. only care because we went to okinawa yeah. but he never went to okinawa you know yeah it's yeah. You, I, I do usually, for the most part, Anthony Lapusso is kind of a extraneous, annoying character. Uh, but in this moment, I do, even though they, even though yes, we know Mr. Miyagi, we were there with Mr. Miyagi when he was drunk, and Daniel helped him into bed. We were there when they we went to Okinawa, uh, and Mr. Miyagi had to lose his father, and like we know about these things, but. I, I could empathize here with Anthony Lapusso, who's like, what, like 13 or something, never knew him. Like, it was just, a, and it's just this old man he hears about all the time. There's a shrine in his house to this man. <laughs> and I get yeah. it's like supposed to be like kind of his grandfather in a lot of ways. Um, but he doesn't know that. So, yeah, I would imagine it would ju- you just be so annoyed with always hearing about Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi this, Mr. Miyagi that. Okay, we get it. Stop. I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm a level 12 right now. Uh, don't you see? I'm having fun playing <laughs> my games. <laughs> yeah, and Daniel says, just go back to your video games, which he oh, kind of gives up. Yes. Pretty rough, right? Yeah. Um, it's weird because there are a lot of Daniel haters out there, and I'm I love Daniel LaRusso. But yeah, they are kind of doing overtime, like uh, making Daniel a little shitty this season. Uh, because yeah, that's a pretty shitty moment of for, for him, a, a shitty thing for him to do. For sure. I mean, the bit with uh, him deciding that we're not going to teach Eagle Fang anymore, you're going to have to take a backseat, Johnny, and them t- that ending up tearing the two of them apart. Mm. Like that's uh, such a huge dick thing, but. That one feels a little bit more contrived, so I almost have to excuse it as not part of his natural character development, but rather just kind of like this is where the season is going. But we've talked about that ad nauseum. This one's definitely a bit rough, but crucially, uh, Anthony does not go back to his uh, video games. He's just kind of hanging out, goes into the shrine and is looking at the old scroll and all of that. And and Daniel's like, wait a minute, I thought... Or the, I guess this is this is back at home, right? In their personal yes, personal, that's uh, his uh, shrine. Yeah, yeah, his side dojo that he has. I don't think you know not to nitpick Daniel Larusso more than needed, but I don't think he has one picture of his own dad. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a whole room. I mean, but I mean, of course, if if Mister Miyagi was in my life, I would have a few rooms dedicated to him. So I do get it on one extent. Um, but yeah, he has quite a shrine to Mr. Miyagi here. And I, and I, I like don't really the, remember the, the deal with his dad though. Like from, I'm sh- it was mentioned previous seasons, right? Yeah. Well, not even. Yeah. It's well, it's just his dad passed. I mean, the movies don't even mm-hmm. really get too much into it outside of like, I mean, he does when he bonds, he helps Mr. Miyagi when Mr. Miyagi's dealing with it on his end. And then, yeah, the show mm-hmm. has touched on it a bit when, you know, he, he was talking to his mom and they were like, kind of looking at pictures and sharing memories and stuff. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's all Mr. Miyagi this, Mr. Miyagi that. Uh, and, you know, 
that's where we're at. That's what leads Daniel to kind of <laughs> shun his son at the first sign of uh, him not being that interested in karate. But I guess, not that I have a kid, but I'm sure dads, or if I did have a kid, you could kind of relate because I'm sure there's that one thing that you would, would even growing up or thinking like, oh man, I can't wait to like share this with my son or my daughter or whatever. And then of mm-hmm. course, like when they're this age, you're lame as fuck. So whatever you like a lot, they're not going <laughs> to like it. So you kind of have to let them be their own person. You can't take it personally. Yeah, like my parents, who, as you mentioned, are very old um, <laughs> and still together. They're very extremely like artistic type people. Like my dad was an opera singer. My mother was like a ceramic artist. The only reason I am the way I am, i.e. I'm into artistic, creative kind of stuff, I think, is that my older brother kind of took the hit and basically was like, fuck all of this. <laughs> I'm into hockey and sports. Like he is the stereotype yeah. reversal. Like you're going to play in the school football team or whatever. He's the reversal of that in that it was all very like artsy fartsy hippie kind of uh, growing up. But then he is very into football and sports and uh, stuff like that. So yeah. then it kind of switched back around because I was more like rebelling against my brother rather than my parents. <laughs> so I could be into it again. But for sure, if my my parents were way into karate and I was, you know, the firstborn. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's how um, it works. But yeah, in this scene, so Daniel, uh, actually, it's it's a nice scene, I think, that where Anthony's like, I'm out of the, I, I'm not in any of these stories. I just keep hearing these stories yep. and it's not like I can go back. And at this point, trying to connect with it, I, it's too late or it feels too late for him. And Daniel tells a nice story about uh, him and Mr. Miyagi and how he kicked him in the face. First yeah. time I ever saw anyone allowed to kick on him. And that's all pretty sweet. And I think it makes Anthony feel a bit more included in his family and the culture and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. And yeah. it has a nice outcome. I also like how Anthony, after this, has kind of learned a lesson and kind of tries to do the right thing, but it goes wrong. Because yes. <laughs> that's yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I do think this this uh, through line is handled really well. Um with yeah, the we had this initial setup scene with him hiring the task rabbit who has to deal with a cat, his cat's hernia, uh, <laughs> and I mean I do think, it, but I I think Daniel's a little harsh here, but I guess we have we do know that Daniel's a hothead and that Cobra Kai part of him comes out sometimes where he's like, yeah, go back to your video games. Like now he's the nerd. Now his son's the nerd. Uh, but yeah, when it comes full circle with uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi's story and things seem like on a nice bright note, but then in perfect Karate Kid, Miyagi-verse fashion, uh, things don't stay well the whole time. It doesn't always work out. Yeah, exactly. Um, So coming back to Miguel and Johnny, uh, I I mean, uh, yeah, Johnny shows up at school. He basically is a student uh, or thinks he is a student still (laughs) because he's in the school almost every episode. And you know what? Maybe it wouldn't have occurred to us how weird that would have been in some a movie from the 90s or whatever but i feel like the fact that he's always in the school and it's telegraphed it's just it's just funny to me that he's always just kind of walking in like yeah. hey and Miguel's like what are you doing here like not just hey what are you doing here like you shouldn't be here and he's like no no come on let's go you're skipping school i'll write you a note and uh brings him off to have another awkward conversation or heart to heart uh about you know why he's a bit nervous about what's going on, but more importantly, it ends with uh, learning one of the badassest kicks of all of karate. Yes, which is interesting because it's like the uh, there's usually a Miyagi move, and they even hint at one here. Um, but now we're setting up more of a, like a potential Eagle Fang move, which I kind of I kind of like because you know it's the the staple of the Miyagi verse is that there's some sort of move or thing you have to learn and it might just come in handy uh, in the finals. Um, But so we have the scroll and of course, Daniel's like, let's hope we never have to use this scroll. So who, I wonder what's on that scroll. Uh, But then we have, yeah, this badass, uh, what is it? Tornado kick. Yeah. Flying tornado. Yeah, flying. And then Mm -hmm. Sam shows up, which is kind of nice to see because I, I, as we're seeing these other Cobra Kai people or, or Eagle Fang people learn from Miyagi-Do, 
Sam's thing is how, like how to blend these other styles and learn stuff from Johnny, which I do think is a lot of potential there. Um, we'll see how it plays out, though. Yeah, and on the conversation, we have to call it out because um, there's maybe not... I mean, there's never as much Johnny-Miguel interaction as we want. Like, it's one of our favorites up there with Johnny and Daniel. Um, but this is a, just another just another great scene with the two of them where they connect and Johnny tells him why he freaked out. Uh, you know, his, his dad left when he was very young. You get to see their different perspectives as well, where Miguel's like, do you ever try to you know, go find him. And we see that's something that's sort of lurking in his mind in regards to his own father. Um, and yeah, basically just talking about why he got scared and Miguel saying that, you know, I want a lot of things to stay the same. I still want you to be my sensei. And it's, uh, it's another great scene. Um, because we always, we always, uh, do a lot of nitpicking. I just got to call out the good scenes, uh, and the good moments yes. as well as always. Um, no, and for sure. I, I like Johnny's like, oh, well, you asked for it. And then <laughs> like, we're we're going to beat the shit out of these melons now. Let's do it. Well, and all, yeah, because I do, for, for all our nitpicks, like we we're just talking about the Daniel and Anthony stuff, the Johnny and Miguel stuff, uh, both of that's handled really well uh, and kind of comes to a nice place and everything, the motivations and the, the, the character reactions and how they're playing it out makes sense. I mean, we've been going a little long, so we don't have to hang on this too much. But a thought of mine was also when he's talking about his father here, it's like, what kind of stunt casting would we see when Johnny goes and finds his father? Like, is it going to be uh, Jeff Bridges? <laughs> is Jeff Bridges Johnny Lawrence's kick-ass dad? Is fuck, uh, is uh, Gene Hackman or Harrison Ford? I'm just looking at actors that are like in their 70s or 80s or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just saying, think of the possibilities, Jacob. I mean, Harrison Ford definitely has the right kind of I don't care about any of this attitude <laughs> that seems appropriate uh, because he wouldn't give a shit about anything that was happening uh, at all, which is cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think we'll see his dad, but it's an interesting question for sure. Um, Honestly, I kind of feel like we're going to see his dad. Okay. I'm not saying well, I want I guess- to. I'm not saying it's necessarily a plot line I want to explore, but I don't know. I have a sneaking suspicion because, I mean, I don't know if we ever thought we were going to see Miguel's dad. And I mean, I want to. Yeah, like a couple of seasons ago, I would have been saying the same, like, we're not going to see his dad. Now it's, uh, you know, spoiler alert, probably probably going to happen at some point. Because, yeah, Um, I don't know if maybe somehow both of their journeys between Miguel and Johnny, if Johnny's going to realize he's going to have to deal with some of his hangups by finding his father. And next thing you know, William Shatner's there, and <laughs> and he's a piece of shit. And Johnny gives him a fucking crane <laughs> kick, <laughs> and and chugs a, a banquet, and says, "You fucked me up when you left." <laughs> Why would you not want that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna call this like Daddy Issues the episode, but yeah. realistically, this season, like, there's a lot of that going around mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, and speaking of, like, this scene is re- with uh, Miguel uh, and, and Johnny here. And he, t- he talks about how he, all of the bullshit of him growing up, he accidentally basically made Robbie's life shit yeah. because of all of that. And all of that is really emotional and great for this. And it also sets us up perfectly for next episode. We've talked a bit about like when things are set up well or not set up well or shortcuts, etc. But this is something I wouldn't have realized the first time around. But this whole conversation, it is important for where they're at. And it's also important to set up where we're going to be next episode, which I won't get more into. We'll, get, we'll discuss it in the next episode. Yeah. But it's just like it all ties together, man. It works so well. Very true. Absolutely. And that, that, cause again, yeah, if we nitpick stuff, there's, there's so much stuff that that's played out pretty well. Uh, and I guess be between that for the episode, the other reveal is, you know, Daniel and, uh, Amanda do find out that, uh, Lepuso is actually the bully here. Um, because you know, they're all ready yeah. for let's, we need to make sure that the, the arm of the law slams down on this bully like we can't let this shit happen again and it's like oh yeah no sorry your son's the bully but then it's nice we get kenny gets to have a little moment of like he planned this all (laughs) this was all part of the plan (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean obviously we we kind of skimmed over it but kenny uh 
uh, Anthony, much like us, keeps calling Anthony. Or sorry, Kenny, much like us, keeps calling Anthony Lapusso, uh, leading even though Anthony's trying to, you know, be slightly less of a dick than he has been consistently. Can't really blame Kenny for being like, "What the fuck? Fuck you!" Um, but yeah, there's a chase, there's a, a fight in the library where he separates them, and then we have uh, we have the parents coming in again, as you said, get to see some irrefutable proof. Uh, th- th- we see the milking hashtag milk that locker, um, and yeah, it's. Actually, look, uh, lactose loser is the caption. Hashtag yeah. Operation Dairy. All good stuff. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, and yeah, they have to face face facts, and Kenny gets to be like, "Ha, ah, I got you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as we alluded to, because yeah, it was almost the moment where Anthony was going to kind of fess up and clear the air, but yeah, uh, Kenny, rightfully, he's just he he's been in uh, a place of being the victim for so long. But as we saw at the top of the episode, he's getting more confident uh, with his training and with Cobra Kai. I mean, hell, he's even got a win over on Robbie in one of their spars. So, of course, like he's he's coming more from a a position of power and that feels good. I mean, maybe Leviathan might have a thing or two to say about that. Maybe Animal Farm might have a thing or two to say about that. Mm. Maybe Beowulf might come through and, and have his own opinion. Who knows? Exactly. And so we have Kreese then in the final scene, uh, as we, we've chatted about a bit. He basically just kind of tells it tells Terry to get in line and, you know... Uh, well, I do want to, you know, for this is not a nitpick, but to get into the details, I was reading up on this beer that they have. Um, right. They, because uh, some people are trying to correct him. Like, actually, even on the Cobra Guy Reddit, they're like, get your Vietnamese right. It's called Ba Ba Ba, not Ba Moi Ba, because the beer is 333. But then actually, other uh-huh. people corrected this person because it actually, during the Vietnam days, was Ba Moi Ba. It was just 33. Uh, but I guess it's also would also known during Vietnam uh, amongst the soldiers as tiger piss. Uh, apparently, it's a rice beer <laughs> that tastes like shit. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it reminds you of the good times. Uh, yeah, it's a premium export beer. It's a rice beer brewed in Vietnam, uh, now owned by Sabico Brewery. It was the original name. It's three three three, and that's what shows on the label they have. But Crease calls them thirty uh, threes, uh, like back in the war. Uh, that was the original name. Um, and it's weird because initially when I saw that, and this shows like how such a mark I am, because not only do I drink banquets now, I was really like, where could I get this? Where, (laughs) where could I get some of these until I, until someone was, until they were calling it tiger piss. I still kind of want to try it, but, uh, I, I didn't have as much motivation once I found out they were tiger piss, but I do love that detail. I mean, um, I, I mean, obviously, every good writer's like does research and stuff like that. I don't know if they have, an, like, some sort of advisor or even just you know, uh, the the dude that plays Crease is pretty old. I'm sure he knows some stuff, but it's a nice little detail, and it's fun that someone tried to correct them, and they're like, no, no, actually, they're actually more correct because the, they're just keeping it time accurate. So, uh, shout outs to the to the Cobra Kai writer, the writing team. Yeah. And clearly we uh, like we need to have some sort of microbrewery type <laughs> tasting platter where we just have some Coors Banquets, some 33s, etc. And, and everything basically from the show and, and have like a, a little brew sesh. Maybe we can uh, have this as one of the bonus episodes between seasons where we <laughs> yeah. just try the different drinks. Because forget about reading the books and doing a book club. Let's just try the different drinks and see what we think. <laughs> I'm actually way down for um, that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've already talked about this scene really earlier on with Kreese. Uh, basically he's gotten to a point where he's like, oh, I, ha- I lost a little bit of status time to push you the fuck down and make sure that, you know, that I'm the one in charge and it kind of works. I mean, yeah. at least from what we can see in this episode, Terry's like, all right. And he, he's not happy about it, but he's like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, he wants him to fall back in line, follow his lead. It's just a tough thing. It's like I don't feel like he was not following his lead, but yeah, I guess absolutely. like we talked about, it's just it it is 
it is kind of like I guess it is still increased character to be like, hey, I need some help, and it's like, well, not not like that. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not helping me the right way that I want. Uh, so yeah, and and you know, I was still thinking like, what is this? What is Terry's game here? But no, Terry's yeah, yeah, genuine. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to, you know, please Crease. He does feel like Crease saved his life. He does owe him that debt, and he wants to take care of him. Uh, so that's where we're at. I mean, uh, then off topic a bit, it does. I, I, I was research mode with this episode because then they have Albert mm-hmm, Olmstead. Albert Olmstead, this memory, this episode's dedicated to him. Uh, kind of a tragic story. Um, he's the, he's like a, a best boy, electrician, crew member. He worked on Stranger Things. Uh, mm-hmm. he's worked on a bunch of different projects, was, uh, apparently very well liked. Unfortunately, in like July of 2021, he went home and he was trying to fix a leak in his basement and a fucking wall, one of his walls fell on him and he passed away tragically. So it's a sad story. You can search Albert Olmstead GoFundMe. Uh, His family does have a GoFundMe, which they've, they've raised a good amount of money, but I don't think they've hit their goal yet. So if that's something that you feel is worth it, I think I would, uh, ask you to go check that out and give what you can. So yeah, not to, not to be uh, on a downer, but I mean, it's in the episode. So I just want to call it out. Yeah. Well, I feel like a fucking shill asking for <laughs> reviews after that, but yeah, you can also yeah. leave us a review on Apple podcast or your podcast of choice. And you can find all of our shows at shows, you know.com. You have any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap it up for this week? Um, no, I think, I think we hit it, but yeah, I like, I like what you're saying. Like it's daddy issues, which I mean, that's a big thing with just these shows in general, (laughs) any media written by men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think overall they, they, uh, you know, they hit it. I'm just, the only thing I was really shaky on was just the way crease was. And it's not even that it was Mm. fully out of character. It's just the inciting incident felt a little, uh, a little short, uh, but otherwise, yeah, that, I'm excited on where we're going. Yeah, and I think this is one of those episodes that uh, the more we talked about it, <laughs> I, I was like, I am more on board because I, I, I like get into the details of like, this is why all of this actually makes sense. And like sitting a bit on the scenes that actually pan out rather than after just a quick watch going, what was Chris up to? Because I completely agree that it's like a little bit off, but then there's so much more that just hits hits the ball out of the park. So uh, another great episode from Cobra Kai. And we'll get back uh, with episode eight shortly. Um, but I think for now, there's just one more thing, Jim. Ooh, what's that? Strike first. Strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy.